Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, December 1st. 2020 welcome eric thanks it's been a while i'm glad to be back yeah we missed you brad was getting a little bit of a psd from <laughs> too much too many podcasts too much work <laughs> but uh hopefully he had a good thanksgiving did you yeah it was nice and quiet yep which that's is different. not how thanksgivings usually went but uh it was nice yeah uh, we escaped civilization and went hiking in the mountains for the day. So we had our turkey and ham on crackers, but still pretty good. Nice. Lunchables. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little more high class than that, but only just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into it. First, let's thank our sponsor, Order Solutions. Uh, they do a lot for the community, and this podcast is one of those things. And uh, one way you can say thank you back to them is by attending Into the Box of Tam, which is now free. So it's going to be the Ooh. third and the fourth this week. Uh, there's English, Spanish, and even some Portuguese sessions. So a little bit of everything Ooh. for everybody. Uh, that was going to be a low-price conference, but we decided in the spirit of the holidays we'll make it free. So even more people can attend to get the most out of it. Uh, another way you can uh, sort of give back to Order Solutions is by joining CFCast. Uh, we release new and free, free and paid content every week. And for those who follow us on the newslet- uh, newsletters or on Twitter, might have even seen the Black Friday special, which sounds like we sold quite a few Black Friday deals. So yeah, we have a lot new, a lot of new subscribers. We're excited to get some of these new videos in your hand. Yep. So those are two ways you can say thank you back to Order Solutions. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Auto Solutions, for making this possible. And the other people that make this possible are our Patreon supporters. And we've got over 30 Patreon supporters, uh, and it's funding almost 60% of the podcast. So again, uh, a big thank you to all of those people, and we'll thank them individually at the end of the episode. Okay, so news and events. First thing up, we kind of briefly touched on it, Into the Box Latam. That's right. That's this Thursday and Friday. It's a live virtual conference, as Gavin said, Spanish, English, Portuguese, maybe even some Spanglish. <laughs> Definitely some Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's going to be free. If you go to latam.intothebox.org, you can find out more information about it. Uh, and you can uh, register on Eventbrite. It's, it is free, but you still do need to register. If you see my screen here, you'll see the little button and you can translate it if you need to. Uh, a little lightning going on in the background there. Back to the future. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely go sign that up. And if you're curious about what it's going to be like, uh, Michaela from Terratech interviewed Jorge Reyes, who's a big part of the organization team uh, behind Latam Into the Box. So there's a couple of YouTube videos on that blog page, and we share that blog post in the, the blog section of the podcast, too, so you guys can check that out. But those videos are just four or five minutes uh, talking about the conference. So uh, if you want to find out a little more, uh, Jorge's talking about it there i'm not sure if there's an english and a spanish version i did see some spanish words flying on the caption so uh but the blog post mike michaela did actually has quite a lot of content there too so uh so good to see 
Okay, I'll t- let you talk about the next one because I know you're excited when you saw it. I know. Welcome <laughs> to December, everybody, where you find yourself wasting hours on the daily Advent of Code puzzles. <laughs> um, now, Advent of Code is a 25-day coding challenge where you get to solve different um, puzzles. And you can use any language you want. Uh, a lot of us have tried different languages with it. I know I've tried functional programming languages in the past and gotten really confused. <laughs> um, I just did the first one today using the command box task runner. That was really fun. Ooh. So it's at adventofcode.com. And uh, I know on the CFML Slack, there is a channel dedicated to this. Well, I think it's called Friday Puzzle, but really it's just waiting for Advent of Code to come around. So it's just kind of a little fun thing to see how you solve problems and others do- as well. I feel like I get maybe eight or nine days into it. And then I just, it gets hard. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if my brain just isn't wrapped around it or not, but uh, I get yeah. the eight day eight or nine and it's hard to keep going, but it's still fun. <laughs> yeah. So this one, the story is you've got to collect 50 of these special coins to go on your Christmas vacation and you get one for every puzzle you solve and there's two a day. And so you've got to do all 25 to get your coins to go on this magical vacation. And it's uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, GitHub is sponsoring it, but uh, it's been around for a while. And it's one of those things I've always wished I had more time to do. But like you said, it, it can suck up some time. Um, so um, I will say if any of you have thought about getting into like live streaming. This is an excellent way to break into that, you know, just live screen stream you trying to solve this problem. You can also maybe get the bonus that if somebody's watching, they can help you out if you get stuck. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I love, that's what I end up doing is I'll go watch somebody else's stream when I get stuck and see how they solved it. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And festive as well. So. Cool. Well, I might might try that out later. Again, time is always the the thing right. there. But some of them are going to be pretty simple, but some do get a little tricky, as you say. So. Yeah, usually part one I can solve in a couple minutes, and then part two takes an hour. <laughs> Not so. always an hour, but Sean Odin in the chat says that he's planning to use to try out Adobe's CF twenty twenty one here and all the new syntax features. I think that's an awesome idea. Hmm, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that might be good to, to test them out. And we've got quite a few blog posts today about some of those new features, so stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Uh, online ColdFusion Meetup is going to be this week, uh, Thursday, December 3rd. We have John Wago presenting about how to build a progressive web app. So it looks like that's um, Eastern time. you got to watch the times for these. Uh, they do have some different times depending on the speaker. So this is Thursday, December 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so now we've heard a lot about progressive web apps, and maybe uh, you guys are really ready to get, jump into it. And so he's actually the author of uh, Pearson's Learning Progressive Web Applications. Um, I guess it's a web page too. He's learningpwa.com uh, is available. And so you guys can check that out. But uh it definitely sounds interesting. I, I know at uh, CF Objective in the past, we've had a couple of people presenting on them. And uh, of course, I like my, my tools that I use, uh, my Quasar stuff, but uh, a lot of cool stuff in there. And there's a lot of things you could do that you didn't think 
you know, were probably possible in a progressive web app. So, um, you know, offline capabilities and, and stuff like that, notification. So uh, it's very cool. So that's going to be hosted by Charlie Earhart this Thursday. So another meetup we have that was actually rescheduled is the Seattle Cold Fusion User Group hands-on deep dive into interacting with the Thinkific API. Now, this was originally scheduled for November 11th, but it has now been rescheduled for December 9th. That is a week from tomorrow. It is from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. So there's that time zone jumping, Gavin, we told you about. Don't worry, the next one will probably be in a different time zone, too. <laughs> yep, and then they have the previous version of the Thinkific API session on their uh, on the Meetup group, so you can go, uh, go grab that one and get ready for this one. So the first one was more about how to interact with it with Cold Fusion. This one dives into a little more. So um, if you're going to see it, recommend checking out the first one, too. And speaking of, in case you missed it, uh, we had a mid-Michigan CFUG meeting uh, in November 18th. I finally got the link, so we're sharing the recording link for that there. And that's Going Serverless with Nicholas Kowalski. Uh, I'm always bad with some of these names. I apologize. But um, it was a, a good, good session on Going Serverless. And so that one's available, sharing in the chat and, of course, in the show notes as well. Now, last week we talked about a couple of things, but because they're important, we want to just touch on them briefly here. So uh, we talked about the Lucy security vulnerability alert, which will be going live on December 5th. That's when the actual uh, exploit will be publicly uh, discussed. So that way uh, you want to make sure you lock up your servers as soon as possible. Uh, we got a link here to the blog post. It has the, the versions with the patches so you can see which ones are being patched and what you should do. But definitely lock down your Lucy admin with the lockdown guide and then update to a, a patched version if you're running one of these versions. So, Right. While it's always good to stay up on these patches, it is important to know if your Lucy admin is locked down, this does not affect you. Um, still update anyway, but do both. Lock down your admin, update to latest patches. Yep, and these are the patch numbers right here. So these are the ones that have addressed the vulnerability. Um, and no, Java Mail has been updated to 1.6.2. Um, and this was presenting many people from updating. So uh, there are some notes in here too. But uh, Hack My CF is already in there as well. Uh, Pete's pretty quick about updating. So Okay. Uh, we had another security update. This one for one of our products for TestBox. TestBox 4.2 was released. It's a new minor version, and it includes a couple security updates that would apply if you were deploying your TestBox and tests folder to production. Um, it is worth noting that that's not a best practice, that you don't need to deploy your tests. It's just not only is it a avenue here for a security vulnerability, but even if it wasn't, it's just uh, dead code that will never be run taking up disk space. So do a box install production and ignore that folder when you're uh, deploying. Uh, nevertheless, also update to test box 4.2 so you can get those two important security updates. Yep, and there's a couple other things in there as well, so definitely worth doing. Okay. Um, one more reminder. Um, we're trying to get CFML listed on Sentry.io, so I'm going to click on the link here, and I'm going to see how many people did it last week. Um, but basically, 
Giancarlo uh, wanted to add Cold Fusion as a platform in the Create Project view in a couple other places. So he, he listed the two different modules that you can use with Sentry. There's a few people here that have uh, come and liked it, but we need a few more in there. Otherwise, they won't, they won't pay attention if we're, we don't have enough hearts on our post here. So uh, forum.sentry.io, and then there's you know a link that we'll share. But basically, get in there and just like it. That should be enough to get some attention and hopefully see if Malibu Add it to the right part of the app and make it even easier to use. And, uh, oh, Giancarlo's in the chat. He says, we are under the community supported list now. So that's great. Oh, we got four people. Someone just did it right now. So uh, we don't have the nice icon yet. So maybe a few more likes and we can get that icon listed. So, but pretty cool. Thanks for the update, Giancarlo. I love how our community just makes sure that it, it gets listed in all these places like I remember code wars getting us into code wars and it was this huge like they hadn't seen a community support like that i just love that yeah i mean we're a small community but we care but it's uh true. yep and wilderburn uh he has the paid membership he said he asked him to, last week to do that so hopefully uh between him and giancarlo and you guys out there liking this post uh we'll get the icon and other things done too so very cool Okay, so now let's talk about CFCast updates. So I know we got a couple more videos out from you, Eric. You want to tell us about them? Yeah, it, they corresponded with a new release in QB. Uh, there are two new uh, man, minor features. One was a custom inferred numeric SQL type, and the second is a simple paginate option for when you're trying to paginate something with millions of rows and it's just a little too slow. Yep. So those two videos are there. And as we mentioned, we're releasing a Zero to Hero workshop in November. Uh, all the videos were uploaded last night, just in time for the release. But uh, I need to do a new intro video for it because uh, I, I recorded the videos when we did the training. But we want to have something that explains the video series to you guys. So I'm going to be recording that as soon as I'm done with the podcast. So that should go live uh, for this week's releases. And right now there's over 25 videos in that series. So... Obviously, it's a two-day workshop. We try and cut up into smaller pieces for the CFCast, and so there's lots of good content in there. And basically, you can have a virtual uh, workshop with me. Uh, so if that's appealing, uh, keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, it'll be released uh, in the next day or two for the this one. And of course, John is asking when will Quick Hero to be uh, Quick Hero be offered. Uh, the workshop or the the CFCast series. We we had the workshop originally scheduled for November, but had to reschedule that. So I'd be looking in the new year for that. As far as content on CFCast, I do actually have a video I'm currently editing about a new quick feature, and then we will be looking to get back into the building the blog series. So good quick content is headed your way on both platforms. Very cool. Okay, so let's get into our conferences. So this week, uh, November 30th through December 18th, AWS reInvent is on. So it, yes, I was right. There is a three-week event. I didn't mess up the dates. <laughs> so that has already started. Uh, a lot of great content. Uh, uh, it's their premium conference. I've been to the AWS Summit before, which is their one-day free one. But this one is uh, their premium one. And... Right now, if you go to this site, you can join Andy Jazzy Live. Uh, so the videos are available, you know, as it goes on. Uh, they're going to be repeating some content uh, over the three weeks, but a lot of good content. 
um, but the keynotes and whatever are happening. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. So if you're Amazon uh, or Amazon curious, definitely should uh, <laughs> go check that out because there's a lot of great stuff. And I'm curious how many products they're going to release this year because I swear they release like 50 a year. That's why there's a bazillion in the the control panel. I mean, they need to paginate their their home screen. So, <laughs> okay, and we've already okay. mentioned into the box the tab, but just a conference reminder: the third and fourth this week, free. Go to thetam.intothebox.org to to go sign up and find out more about the sessions. And we have the blog post coming from Tiratech with those little interviews as well. So, we'll put those in there for you. There's a Google online conference, a Google Dev Fest on December 5th. That's this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. P- uh, Pacific. Uh, there's uh, some topics you may be interested in if you're into anything with the Google Assistant or progressive web apps, some things about serverless and Firebase. So if you're into some of the Google offerings as opposed to the Amazon ones, this might be a good virtual conference for you. Yep, and it's kind of nice. It's just a four-hour block, you know, two tracks. So, you know, if it's a little bit your Saturday, if you don't have too much planned, get some good content in there But uh, without having a whole day. Okay, next up, we have a Cold Fusion Security Training by Foundeo, or Pete Freitag. It's going to be writing secure CFML. Uh, if you haven't taken this uh, training at Into the Box or CF Summit over the years, he's doing it online. Um and it looks like a great session. And today is the last day if you want the early bird pricing. That's right. We'll put that link into the chat and show notes. Pete always does an amazing job teaching this workshop and his security training in general. So definitely take a look at that. Yep. That's quality. And if you can't make those dates and times, he actually has a recording from, I believe, last year's session. Um, so that's available as a package to purchase. But it's... Uh, basically a better deal if you do the live training because then you can ask questions participate directly with him but it is available if you can't take it online at the same time so just a note there and those are going to be december 10th and 11th so next week um, from 11 a.m to 2 p.m eastern time so a total of six hours you'll be in the, the workshop but um a yeah, great session for sure okay and um, we continue to bring this up, uh, that Adobe's Cold Fusion certification is available online. You can do that now. Uh, fun fact, it's still at an introductory f- offer of $4.99. It has been at that introductory offer now for uh, <laughs> uh, six months, something like that. Um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they've been very kind to you. Yep. Let's see. July 28th. So it's still in its introduction phase, everybody. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> good content. Um, so worth worth taking a look at for sure. Okay, so next up, let's get through our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And as I mentioned, we got quite a few this week, um, especially related to new Adobe content. So that's kind of neat. So the first one is the Into the Box Latam Conference blog post by Tiertik. And um, I'm going to share my screen for those watching. As you'll see, some good content talks about sort of the history of the of the conference itself, and you know where it started, why it started. Uh, most importantly, now it's free. 
And I did mention there's a couple of videos here uh, talking to Jorge about the about the conference. So I believe the top one's English, bottom one is in Spanish. There we go. Yep. So if you English or Spanish, you can get the best of uh, that little video here. And then it tells you a little more about registering and some of the speakers and sessions, etc. So um, good content if you want to check it out. But again, it's free. So sign up, check it out on Friday for free anyway. So see what you like or just don't like. Okay. Okay. We have a, a blog post from Matt Clemente. It's kind of fun to get a blog post from him since usually we're talking about his live streams. Yep. And this one is talking about the time zone parameter in the CFML date time functions. Yeah. And this one's kind of interesting. And we actually have a blog post from Ben Nadell later. We're talking about um, date time functions, et cetera, as well. But yeah, so this one's interesting. So if you have a date object and you have a, a mask, and you do a date time format using the mask and then your your time zone, it'll actually change the time for you. So if you have a, the date object is set at 6.42 a.m. Um, and you use Eastern time zone, that's what Matt is in. So Eastern time zone is the default, so it comes out of 6.42. But if you tell it you want Pacific PST, then you'll get the 3.42 Pacific. But uh, he has a few things to note. So the time is out you know changed by the time zone but that doesn't work when you're using a string it's for a date object so um, that's one thing to be aware of there so uh, if you just basically put a date time in as a string and the date time format does take that but because it wasn't an object and it just assumes the time is whatever time you're asking for it doesn't set it locally first so it's kind of a trick so a couple of uh, helpful notes in there too so uh, it's pretty interesting about, um, yeah, basically when you create the object, that's when it sets the time zone and it sets it based on the time zone you're in. But so, uh, you can check for that. And I think he has a method here. Yeah. Get time zone info, which retrieves time zone for the machine it's running on. So you know what it is. So, right. um, at this point I feel inclined to give a cautionary tale to anybody that the easiest way to deal with time zones is to store everything in UTC and let the browser display it in whatever time zone that person's in. When your server's in a different time zone and you're trying to convert between all those, it can be mind-boggling. So do yourself a favor, just store it in UTC, and when you pull it out, put it in the right time zone for that user. <laughs> yep, because uh, there are some functions. I don't know if it's Adobe as well, but I know Lucy has somewhere when you're actually storing it in the database, you can tell it what time zone it is in the CF admin. But the problem with that is, is that you have to remember to convert it all the time. And if you use now from the database function, it will create it in that time zone. But if you do you know, CF now, then it will convert it over to the time zone when it does the query because it's part of the JDBC path. Then if you're doing stuff outside of Cold Fusion, and then all your dates are off by whatever. And so, yeah, UTC, always UTC. <laughs> Trust me, you'll you'll really enjoy it later because you'll hurt your head. I mean, just reading this blog post brought back some you know some memories I don't want to have. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you start dealing with browsers and you know, yeah. I, but anyways. if you keep it UTC on your server and in your database, then you only have to deal with it in the browser instead of in all three places. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, some 
some interesting things there. But we'll see a little more when we get to bins as well, which is kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, it was a good blog post and good to see some more from Matt Clemente. Always good stuff. Okay, so I learned something in this next one. Even though I use Bcrypt all the time, Will DeBruin had a, a blog post on uh, using Bcrypt and CB security. And so he talks about, you know, in a previous post we talked about last week, why it's good, and why you should use it, and you should use it. And if you're using the Bcrypt module from ForgeBox, you can easily install it. I know that Adobe CF 2021 has Bcrypt built in now. But one of the things I did learn was when you're using this, instead of just injecting the Bcrypt using Bcrypt at Bcrypt, that actually has a, a helper mix in. So you can just use these helper functions, Bcrypt hash or Bcrypt checked for checking passwords pretty much anywhere. So anywhere inside of interceptors, handlers, views, etc. So you don't have to do the, the the full method to get to them. So that's what I learned. But um, as usual, Will's really detailed, a nice long blog post and lots of good content here. Uh, so if you're wanting to use Bcrypt, you can copy paste a lot of this code right into your app. <laughs> That's right. So we also have a couple of uh, application templates. The Quick with Auth or the Quick Tailwind Inertia template include a registration and login that uses Bcrypt. If you want to go take an example, uh, take a look at those examples on GitHub. Yep. Those templates are great. I use the Alexa one all the time just because I don't want to deal with Webpack. <laughs> okay, so next up we have another one from Will. And this one he's talking about CF Cookie or Cookie Storage. For those of you who may not know, uh, Cookie Storage is one of the, the CB Storage uh, modules. Well, sorry, the CB Storage modules has a lot of different storages. One of them is Cookie Storage. And so basically, the idea with CB Storage is we abstract all the different types of storages you may use and give you a single API for using it. And so this sort of is Will's approach to updating some 10-year-old code or something like 10 or 12-year-old code. And so he had all these different um, switch cases everywhere, essentially saying, depending on your local storage, if it's session or client or cookie or request, deal with it different ways. And so he had all these if statements everywhere. And so he compares using something like cookie storage through the CP storages module and how that made his code a little neater and nicer. Um, so one of the things I like about the, the cookie storage, um, two things really. One is you can point that anywhere, right? By, by default, cookie storage is going to point to the, the cookie scope, but you could have that point anywhere that you needed. And that's especially useful during tests when you don't actually need to set cookies all over the place. You just want it to kind of pretend to run and move on. So that's a, one of the reasons I like using um, these cookie storage objects instead of using uh, you know, the scope directly. Yeah, and that's kind of a key thing when doing testing. A lot of things that you want to test that are hard to test uh, is because you're directly accessing them. A lot of people testing CF mail, for example, like you can't test CF mail the same way. But if you have a wrapper like CB mail services that, you know, can use CF mail under the hood or use another storage system, then you can, you know, access that and, you know, use that for testing. And that's a great example for the storages, Eric. So, and then the other thing too is obviously in different tiers, your code can behave the same way too. And like with our RAM cache for, for caching, we can store it in our memory for local testing or local development. And then when you go to storage, it can be on you know, couch base distributed a million different places. And, and so those types of storages can just be an environment 
variable change and nothing else has to change. So yeah, it's pretty neat. We're, we're pretty fortunate with uh, Adobe and Lucy that there are ways to uh, point the, like the session scope or um, client storage, all those are different uh, places, you know, uh, you talk about Couchbase or Redis. Um, but one nice thing about these uh, storages is that you can do that on your own with any new emerging service as well. There's not an extension written for Lucy to store it in, you know, the new Amazon offering. You can write your own wrapper, but it will have the same API. So, yeah, and that that's a big, big, big difference to like changing from one provider to the other way with old libraries were annoying because the API was never the same, and so this allows us to abstract it. And that's one of the good things I like with all the, you know, logbox type stuff as well. They're all, you know, provider based, so you can write your own. And as long as it matches the API, everybody's happy. Yep. Okay. okay. Our next one is from the Lucy blog. We mentioned this earlier, but it's going over the potential security vulnerability. Uh, the D you can read up on it there, see the patch versions, and also go over the lockdown guide for Lucy. Okay. So now we have an array of stuff from the ColdFusion portal, and I don't recognize a lot of these names, so I assume they might be part of the Adobe team, because uh, there's a whole lot of them. Most of them are by Speed. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if that's you know first name, last name, or I know there's an Indubi as well, but let's get into them. They've got some pretty interesting things. And the first one, I actually need to ask Eric, because he's smarter than me. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> immediately invoked function expression. So, I know what they are. I know how to use them. But, um, basically, they're talking about predicting the scope of your function and the variables within it. And so, they've got, like, a normal function here versus a closure. Um, and then, you know, the immediately invoked function expression. So, why does it matter? Why do you, why do you want to predict them? You know? I, I've always seen the immediately invoked function expressions, which I will definitely call iffies, and you can make fun of me for it if you want. <laughs> um, I've always seen them them as kind of just a shortcut. When you don't need to call the function multiple times, you just need it to be called. Um, so putting it in a function already is protecting those variables inside. So that's my understanding. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was just like, seems kind of obvious, but like when they come down to some of the examples, they look kind of hairy. And I was like, maybe they're just abstract examples trying to show you that you can do it. But there were some of them in here, and I was just like, yeah, like recursive ifs. I was just like, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so it was kind of strange. You would look at it, it, look at using this when you wanted to make sure that this was uh, one, called immediately, and two, could not be called again. Right, because you didn't give it a name, you didn't assign it to a variable, you can't call this function again. So, Gotcha. Okay. And I think there used to be an old format of it. Um, maybe I'm getting confused too. But anyway, so that's one of the, the new blog posts. Um, pretty cool. And there's quite a few other ones as well. So we had um, another one on the case-sensitive structs. So that's in addition to order structs now. Instead of having to sit a sitting in your admin, um, there's one which talks about the case-sensitive structs. You can, actually, I'm, I'm gonna show this one too, because I've got some new shortcuts, which might confuse people. So I'm gonna share my screen for this one too. But yeah, so this one allows you to 
basically inline, say if you want it to be not just a normal struct or an auto struct, but if you want it to be case sensitive as well. And we like case sensitivity, especially dealing with JavaScript and everything, right? Cause it matters, uh, especially if you're sending it out there. Um, so in this one here, you can see all the keys are differently cased, which is great. But now if I zoom in a little bit, cause this is a, a little bit small here, but you will see that if you want to create a case sensitive struct, if you prepend a dollar sign in front of the struct definition, it becomes case sensitive. So just something interesting to know. And I think they have another one for ordered structs. If you wanted to have the ordered struct, you'd have the dollar sign and then square bracket. So it's like an array for notation with a square bracket, but you actually have more of a struct inside and that's an ordered struct. And so those are a couple of the new syntaxes I thought I should highlight because otherwise people are going to say, what's this jQuery like stuff popping up everywhere? <laughs> it's not yeah, we, dollar sign dot, but it's just dollar sign in front of. So yeah, we yeah. still probably will. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So this is just one of those, one of those good ones there. And then we had another one talking about collections for as strings. Yeah, so strings are now um, referred to like internally as a kind of like an array of characters. So you can call some of those array methods like, uh, you know, slice, append, and and they will act on the string. Yeah, I thought it was funny that I didn't realize they had the, if you had string and then you did square bracket, like, you know, notation, and you could do a number, colon, number, colon, number, and that would actually do a start, end, and step, so you could actually loop through your string before. And this is in the old version, before they bring the new stuff out. I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> like, you give it yeah. a string, you give it a, like, a, a loop, and you could make hello world just spell out H-L-O-W-R-D if you did, you know, one star, 11, end, and a two-step. It would do every second character through it. So these ones are much nicer. Every filter, map, reduce, some sort, etc. So lots of good examples here too. So these yeah. blog posts are really good if you're wanting a little more detail on those uh, new features. So I know Charlie's got some great content too on his blog, and there's lots of documentation. But I thought these are kind of nice to spell them out, and you know, hopefully they just keep re releasing them over the next few weeks for us. So there's a uh, another one on labeled loops as well. Yeah, this one. I've never seen this before um, in any like kind of modern programming language, but it, evidently you can give a a name to one of your for loops or while loops and like refer to it and continue the back there or break back there, which it made me think of like, you know, like go to statements. It just seems kind of interesting. I, I, I wanted to see some more examples of this to see because I, I wasn't quite convinced yet. Yeah. I mean, and I think Lucy's been doing this for a while. Um, I think I've seen them in one of Gert's presentations. But, I mean, my thing is, if you're doing something this hairy and scary where you're going to be six levels deep and looping through stuff, you may want to change your model or, you know, break it into some <laughs> functions or, or something. I don't know. I mean, it's it does get making a lot more usable for that. Um, but still, I'd hate to be writing too many of those loops, 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 where you got to break out of some and then continue others. And so, anyways, but I think it's definitely useful. And again, just depends on your use case. Um, most of my stuff is simpler in nature, I guess. So, I'm sure Brad's come up with some needs for this, or if you're crunching through some crazy data. So, but again, 
another one of those. And then there's one more. Actually, there's a few more. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also one on using DynamoDB in ColdFusion 2021. Um, so that one's a, a good solution. So if you're looking at that, it shows you how to walk through that. And then we have some strict equality, inequality operators for, um, and some new save content say, uh, syntax. So this is a double blog post, essentially. So I think this one's kind of interesting. So a lot of times uh, when you have equality and you ask if yes is equal to true, uh, the equals equals or equal operator would say yes. But now they've added the the strict equality uh, equality operator with the triple equals or the the you know apostrophe. No, sorry, explanation point equals equals for the the inequality. And so those ones were, you know, added, um, basically, and now this is done on Lucy and I think Brad said it was done badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, it, it wasn't confusion. necessarily done badly, uh, but it is different from say, if you look at cold fusion as JavaScript, um, when you do a strict equality, you're comparing both value and type. Um, in Lucy's implementation, you're comparing, you're asking if it's the same instance. Okay. So, so if you have two structs that are identical, but were created differently, that it is not referring to the same instance and that will fail, even though you might expect that to pass if you were coming kind of from a JavaScript mindset. Gotcha. So now, that's, that's actually looking at the reference. So yeah, the, yes, the reference. That's a great way to put it. So now the docs here, this blog post, make it sound like Adobe's is more like JavaScript's. But we'd have to test it out with, you know, like an array and uh, a struct to see if it's comparing references or just types. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, because that's the thing. I, I, when I saw this, I'm like, uh-oh, more problems with Lucy and ColdFusion. You know, so that would be another, another thing that doesn't compete. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that one there. And then there is some new syntax for... Um, save content too, because the old way we basically took the CF save the CF off the save content tag, and then when you do that, um, you'd have variable equals, and then you'd have the the curlies for your content. But now they actually have it where you have the variable equals the save content, and that's more like you know a traditional function uh, sort of call or JavaScript style. So um, a little better. It's easy to to deal with, like especially with you know, array notations or, you know, different type of complex objects, local variables, etc. So, uh, again, nice sort of walkthrough with some good examples to try. Although we did see something funny in one of these examples, right? <laughs> Somebody was... Yeah, I think it was, it was back on the iffy. Um, oh, okay. They had uh, a console.log in there. So <laughs> <laughs> that that has not... We we tried it on TryCF. Console is not an an object that you can reference in Adobe 2021. I thought for some reason they might have like, well, we'll just post it out to the system console, you know? but <laughs> nope, that didn't work. <laughs> so uh, another one we have, uh, those in JavaScript lands probably excited to see the wrist, uh, the, sorry, the spread operator, uh, which basically, you know, sort of expands one variable into individual elements. And so that's good if you're wanting to, you know, clone objects or to, to add things easily into, you know, into function calls, et cetera, you can separate them out, which is pretty neat. Um, and then again, some pretty good examples here. 
Although it was pretty funny seeing all these strings being treated like an array with a dot 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 to to spread this the characters into individual characters. Uh, but yeah, I have to get used to get used to that. But um, some good examples there, and then the rest operator, which is kind of interesting. So I know like when people have search functions, a lot of times they'll accept all the different search parameters. And sometimes you have to go and make a struct of them all because you have so many. But now you could just do my function a comma b comma dot 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 and the name of your rest. And basically all the rest of those items that you pass into that function will be thrown into that third variable. So if they call it with one, two, three, four, five, six, the first two are separate, and then the third one has all the rest of them. So yeah. interesting. It's a nice way if you do have something that takes variadic parameters and you don't want to just mess with the argument scope. I know I've done that a bit in inside some other modules, and that would be nice. Yeah. Um, I do want to call attention to the best thing about that spread operator for arrays and structs is the fact that now the return value is like the new merged array or the new merged struct instead of when you call struct append or array append you get true or false back which is not usually what i want so <laughs> yeah so now i can use these you know yes we had an append method yes we could append multiple but now i can use this return that value straight it saves me a line i love it <laughs> yeah for sure the that true false thing is really weird <laughs> Okay, so we have a blog post from Teratech again, um, and this one's kind of an interesting one. Maybe end of the year you got a little more time to to tune your apps. And so this one talks about slow cold fusion applications may ruin your business and three steps to prevent it. So um, you know it, it talks about a few different things like what may cause it. And as Charlie knows, Charlie's in the chat and he's a He's a guru of helping people with their machines, trying to figure out why their machines are running slow or, or not working at all. Um, but logs and metrics is the first place to look. Um, so yeah, so it talks about that, um, performance tuning, uh, you know, versus, you know, looking at SQL and everything. But the biggest thing I think is that you need to be, have visibility into your app. So like, this is the key without logs and metrics, without fusion reactor or performance monitoring tools or something, you don't really know. You're just guessing. So you can't fix something if you're, well, you could fix it, but you're probably not a good way to fix it just by <laughs> guessing what the problem might be. So definitely a, definitely good read. So for those of you having performance apps, this might give you some hints into where to look. Okay. Next, we have a blog post from Ben. This one is about using string literals inside of date time formatting in Lucy. Uh, so the idea here is following on something he looked at in Angular where you want to format a date, but you want to include just normal words in the string as well. Um, the TLDR here is it looks like it works with date time format in Lucy, but not the others. So the others will start to replace your string literal with all the different tokens for the date. Uh, but date time format just leaves it alone. Yep. And perfect example of this little little piece right here for those watching so yeah i know what you mean if sometimes it's a pain to break it up into a million little pieces if you want to you know have it formatted a certain way so i've used that before and other things i just i don't remember when but good to see so strange though how date date format time format and date time format work differently right 
So, good to know though. Okay, so this one here. We have next up is actually a Lucy ticket, but I still wanted to include it because since we're doing a lot of uh, new methods for certain things, array like key functions method should be added to ordered structs because they're basically like arrays now. So there's some things in here to maybe make it easier. So this is a, a ticket that Zach Spitzer created. Uh, so if you think these are cool, come vote on it and uh, maybe we'll see this here in Lucy soon. But um, yeah, with the structure, keys might be kind of nice to do some of this right uh, prepend and popping shifting sorting reversing so so it's kind of like yeah a hybrid of struct and array so i think these would be useful okay uh one that we have to end here was one from charlie about a breaking a potential breaking change here in C of 2021 with the date format mask of capital D. So the idea here is cold fusion being our lovely case insensitive language would let you use a date format, uh, date format mask with capital D's as the day of the month. Uh, whereas Java treats that as the day of the year, I believe. Yep. Day and year. And so upgrading to CF2021, you may start to see some interesting things like a date of 11.24 becoming 11.329. Yep. And so we talked about this a little bit last week and I know Scott was working on a regex in the chat. So I don't know where Scott got to on that. There are, you know, cause the thing is this isn't just for date format. This could be anywhere where we have a string that ColdFusion tries to basically convert. Uh, so a lot of masks are everywhere. And so if you're masking stuff in lots of different places, it could really affect a lot of different things. And the documentation, actually, at one point in time, uh, James Moberg put, posted on Twitter, is that the capital D was set in the documentation to be the day and year. Um, sorry, no, not the D. It was actually set to show it differently, and now it shows the day and year. So... Um, if you're following the documentation, it, you know, you could be misled too. So that was actually, you know, shown in there. So it's definitely a big, uh, a big possible issue. Um, now, some follow up on it is it does look like Adobe has responded and said they're working on a setting, uh, a flag that you can set that will use the old behavior. Um, so if you are updating an old site, it's not something you're going to touch. You just need to keep it maintained you should be able to, when they release this, flip that flag to use the old legacy behavior. Yeah, because is Y, single Y, still supported for the the same thing? I'm not sure. Yeah, because, oh, Sean Odin's posting some more stuff in here too, because they said even more fun is the capital YYYY versus lowercase YYYY, calendar year versus week year. <laughs> Affects about three days of the year. He's checking to see if it's doing it in 2021. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, good times. Uh, as <laughs> usual, dates. test your code, um, and hopefully the flag will help. But I know that, yeah, I know that a lot of people have it in capitals. I mean, yeah. Eek. Been, yeah. <laughs> so, good luck to everybody. <laughs> And thanks for Adobe for actually stepping up and working on that flag. So I know that'll be an issue for probably a lot of people. Hopefully not too many, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised. 
Oh, okay. So James says D was officially documented as day of year, but didn't work like that. <laughs> so, so that's, that's funny. even better. <laughs> so now it matches the documentation, but, but the documentation was updated before 2021 was released. Uh, it reminds <laughs> me of that XKCD comment, right? Yeah. Spacebar causes overheating. Put it back. It's part of my workflow. <laughs> yeah. And so, as Charlie mentions, these are because underlying all these functions, we tap into Java. So a lot of the stuff in Java, the case does matter. And so, yep. you know, that's that's the real problem. Uh, you know, Lucy, too, uh, we may have some issues with some of their stuff. Whenever they update a library, it could be, you know, it could be an issue. So... I guess we should always, I don't know, what's the right one? We should probably stick with that, right? But uh, as you said, there's an XK CD. <laughs> For everything, but yeah. Yeah. Everybody's workflow is is built on somebody else's bug. So <laughs> so good thing to be aware of, you know, regardless of which way you solve it, now you're aware. Yep, exactly. So thanks again for the update on that one. So... Okay, so let's talk about some CFML jobs. So there's quite a few jobs added this week. Uh, I think we had six new ones. I think one of them was posted again on a different day with slightly different descriptions there. It may only be five real jobs, but so we got a freelance gig from work from home for India. We have a couple here and these ones are for ColdFusion developer, ColdFusion 2016 plus, CFML bootstrap, Cobox and Fusebox. Interesting. Ooh, Fusebox. Yep. Maybe it just thinks all boxes are the same. But, uh, <laughs> so that one there. And there's some more information in the blog and um, the link. We also have a Mura post in the United Kingdom. And then we've got a, another one in Canada too. So some good opportunities here. Again, at 51 jobs since July. So pretty good. I mean, look in November. This, what? a lot of job opportunities here so if you guys are looking uh definitely look at getcfmljobs.com you can post a job here if you guys are looking for somebody but a lot of good content here and i know uh, uh some people actually that did click on one of these links and they got an interview and everything so uh it's good to see that the community is working together and and it looks like we still have our job posting on the order site as well so if you guys are looking uh, we have a position. We're looking for a senior ColdFusion developer. Uh, U.S. time zone availability is a must. U.S. In, U.S. citizen or resident w or work visa is a must too. If you want to find out a little more, you can check out the link in the chat or the show notes. Um, but yeah, we're we're always looking for good quality ColdFusion developers. So uh, step up, even if the position gets filled. I'm sure we'll keep your name there for for future stuff. Again, uh, we're busy working on lots of great fun uh projects so hopefully we can get some of you added to our team yeah okay so oh forge box module of the week this week it's actually uh one that was done by matthew clemente in one of his live streams yeah i, I feel like this is it's not really meta but it just feels like all of his pieces tying together uh, this is a command box command to generate markdown docs based on uh, the doc blocks inside of a CFC. So Matt is known for doing a, a lot of live streams and a lot of API wrappers. And now here is a tool to make the documentation for those API wrappers. So again, like yep. I said, the circle is complete. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You can see this command being used in that Eversign CFC, which I think we spotlighted a couple of weeks back on the module of the mm-hmm. week. Uh, so you can find that there in the documentation. Um, yeah, and a great little, great little tool. Um, and again, if you're not using command box, you should be. Um, <laughs> and some of these tools are, will definitely help. So thanks again, uh, Matt, for sharing that. And in the show notes, we'll put the link to the video as well as the Forge box there. So you can find out more about it and play with it. Okay. So next up, we have our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this one, I thought we'd already done it, but we haven't. It's the VS Code icons by the VS Code icons team. Yeah, this is just fun, right? We all love crazy icons and folder icons, all the ones different for our file extensions, and this has a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to quickly so. show my screen here. I mean, you can see they've got Tailwind has its own little icon, Webpack. We've got stuff for NPM. We've got normal licenses ones, Cold Fusion icons, JSON icons. We need to get a box of JSON one put in there. Um, but yeah, yeah, all of these now make more sense. Like I can find my GitLab YAML file instantly because it's got the cool Fox. I think it's Fox. <laughs> but yeah, so all of these things are so much, so much nicer just by installing this module and, and running it here. So again, uh, it's VS Code icons. And if we pull up that page here, I'll show you that one as well. But uh, it's pretty, pretty simple. And if you if you aren't sure about how many icons we got, uh, you can see they click through here. There's a whole lot of examples. So stuff I've never even heard of before, but they got them. <laughs> so <laughs> all of them here, uh, you see they've got, you know, the help file has all of them as well. So, but yeah, just tons and tons and tons. So make your VS code a little prettier, a little more colorful, and hopefully your files a little easy to find as well. So. And then, so we have a note here too, that James said his struggle was to find decent CFML related icons for Windows system for CFM and CFC. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we could actually customize it or not. I've started using it, but I haven't played with it much. Um, But yeah, it might be nice to have a difference between CFC, you know, CFCs and CFMs. Um, So, but yeah, nice little, nice little extension here for you there, so. Um, and there is a different version for Linux and Windows versus macOS as well. Sure, macOS has the different uh, icon depth, right? So, but there we go. Okay. Last but not least, uh, our Patreon supporters. So we need to thank them for funding our podcast and helping us with open source. Uh, we appreciate everybody. So if you go to patreon.com slash order solutions, you can see some of our great packages and how you can support us. And we have the lowest ones just starting at $10 per month. Uh, and so, you know, we get your name put on our sponsors page. And right now we're, you know, telling everybody about you on the podcast too. So it's a, a pretty cool little perk, but it's a couple of different packages here. Um, so find out more and there are seven levels. So if you really want to become a crazy diamond supporter, uh, we got rid of all the star Wars names. We must've got sued or something, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this so, is... sorry, go ahead, Derek. No, it's all good. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. I'll go ahead and read them off for us. Thank you to Ben Nadell, Brett DeLine, 
Carl Van Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Da Lee, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Edgardo Cabezas, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamary, Kai Koenig, Laxma Tichrahadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Odin, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mister. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast and all of Order Solutions. Yep, we appreciate each and every one of you. Well, you guys have a great day, a great week. Don't forget about the advent of code. Uh, waste all your free time doing the puzzles. And uh, hopefully we see some live streams from some of you so we can talk about you next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys around. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.